Welcome to the Coffee Chat. On today's episode, I'm talking with Dr. Judy Bragman of The Plant-Based MD. Dr. Bragman is an internist and lifestyle medicine physician. Her practice aims to fill the gap between traditional medicine and what most patients get at their primary care office and a nutritionist. It's not always enough to just send a patient to a dietitian or prescribe them a medication, so she works to close that gap. Dr. Bragman is passionate about chronic disease prevention, and she's made it her mission to educate her patients and the general public about nutrition. You may have seen her on Instagram posting educational content or hosting health summits with educators from around the country. Today, we're going to talk about the difference between different diet types and really get into what plant-based nutrition is. We'll also talk about the connection between dairy and leaky gut. We cover vitamins, particularly B12, and its importance. Dr. Bragman is an incredible educator in lifestyle medicine and nutrition, and I hope you find as much value and practical advice in this episode as I did. With that, please welcome Dr. Judy Bragman. So to get started, how did you become interested in plant-based health and becoming an MD focused on lifestyle medicine? So thanks so much, Olivia, for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited to be here. So when I realized that with traditional medicine, if we don't help people to get to the root cause of the problem, we're just continuing to put band-aids on symptoms and not really address the real reason that led to that person getting that particular disease or whatnot. And so when I discovered that um, and becoming aware that preventing disease is so much more important than anything else, I believe, because if you can prevent yourself from getting sick in the first place, you're saving money on hospital bills, you're saving time lost from work. And then there's also... uh, connection between mental health and chronic illnesses. So people that have chronic illnesses are more likely to suffer from depression and anxiety. And it has a whole host of consequences for not just the individual, but the family. So when I realized that I could truly help people to live a better life by helping them eat healthier and live healthier, um, it, I've changed the way that I practice, so to speak. Interesting. And do a lot of the patients that you see have chronic conditions or what what do you see most often with your patients? Yeah, so I work in a hospital setting in addition to having my own lifestyle medicine business. So in the hospital, I see people with all sorts of chronic medical conditions, but mostly heart heart disease, diabetes, and um, hypertension, pretty common stroke. We see a lot of that. And that's an acute setting, you know, in an acute setting, you need medications, you need procedures and things like that. But once you're out of the acute setting, that's when it's the time to look at what foods are you eating? What's your exercise plan? Like how are you managing stress and those different things? And typically that's not really addressed in a traditional visit with a traditional physician. So what I aim to do, why I created my company was because I noticed that there was that gap in traditional medicine. So I aim to fill the gap between the patient's primary care doctor and needing someone who is a doctor, but who also is 
um, prevention focus and who's holistic and who's going to focus on diet because it's not enough to just send the patient to the dietitian and expect the dietitian to talk to them about nutrition. They also have to be getting that same reinforcement from the doctor. And most doctors don't know about nutrition because we don't learn about it in training. So that's part of the problem too. But I've done a lot of courses since residency to learn about nutrition. So I aim to fill the gap between, you know, what patients get at their doctor's office and what I think they need to get. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like I I keep hearing and reading that um, doctors today and in their traditional training, you don't necessarily learn about nutrition. Um, so maybe that that should be added to the curriculum. And maybe it's because they think that medical school is long enough. I don't know, yeah. but we learn so much about pharmacology. A lot is about pharmacology. And I think they could teach us less about pharmacology and just a little bit more about nutrition. That's true. There's a lot to learn. So tell us about plant-based nutrition and some of your favorite reasons for recommending this type of diet to someone. So there was a study that showed, you know, what percentage of healthy behaviors um, Americans have. And they deemed those healthy behaviors to be um, a healthy body weight, not smoking, uh, regular physical activity, and a healthy diet. And only 4% of people engaged in all of those healthy behaviors, a very small percentage. And across the board, if you look at it, majority of individuals don't eat, most the majority of the individuals that have a chronic disease, um, if you look at their diet, most likely that's the one area that probably could be improved. So for plant-based nutrition, do you need any of the meats or you can find all of that type of nutrition in plants and you don't even need meat then at all? Oh yeah, that's a good question. So with plant-based nutrition, there are enough sources of protein in plant-based foods. You will have to eat beans, probably tofu and nuts, um, hemp seeds. You know, you have to be creative. It's not as easy to get a lot of protein, but you definitely can get the amount that you need. Most people don't realize that you probably get more protein than you need. Um, So that's number one. And you don't have to worry about getting all the essential amino acids. I know sometimes there's been um, the belief that if you're on a plant-based diet, you're not going to get all the essential amino acids. Now, different plant-based sources have different percentages of different amino acids. So some may have more leucine and some may have more tryptophan or lysine or something like that. But if you're eating a variety of different plant-based sources, then you should be getting all of your amino acids in in, in the day. The one nutrient that you won't get on a plant-based diet is vitamin B12. That's because the animals that we eat, that people eat, the dairy, they've been fed B12 supplement. <laughs> so um, B12 comes from the soil, you know, it's produced by bacteria. And so with all the um, antibacterial, you know, antibiotics and whatever, the bacteria and the B12 is just not there anymore in the soil. So most people will need to take a supplement, especially if they're plant-based. And even if you're not plant-based, you may need to take a B12 too. The other vitamin, uh, vitamin D, may or may not need to take, whether you're plant-based or not. And then um, iron. Sometimes on a plant-based diet, depending on what you're eating, you may not get enough iron. 
Um, so those are the three things to look at. But protein is not one of the concerns. Protein should not be a concern, even though I know a lot of people that are against plant-based nutrition say, oh, well, you don't get enough protein. But that's just not true. Interesting. And do you recommend plant-based nutrition for everyone? Or are there some types of people that um, it's better suited for than others? Yeah, I don't think there's one diet fits all. I think the main thing that most people and everyone should adhere by is getting at least five to six servings of fruits and vegetables in a day, drinking adequate water so that they're hydrated, and limiting processed foods, added sweeteners, and added sugars. And the percentage of meat and whether they choose to eat meat is a personal choice. They do not have to choose meat. Um, if one's going to eat meat, the best source would be fish, I would say. If someone's going to eat something that comes from an animal, fish is probably the best thing to eat because there are health benefits to eating fish. Um, as far as dairy, dairy has been shown to contribute to inflammation, um, can contribute to possibly leaky gut. Uh, so dairy, which is cow's milk, animal's milk products, milk, cheese, um, milk, yogurts, and things like that have not been shown to be beneficial for health. Um, also, red meat and processed meat, they've shown a connection between those and um, colon cancer. So those are not particularly safe to eat either, but um, fish has been shown to be helpful. So it's just a matter of personal choices. I try and stay away from labels. I don't think that labels necessarily are needed per se, though people do like to use labels, you know, vegetarian, vegan, plant-based. Plant-based is more flexible than vegan. Veganism is an ethical stance. It's a lifestyle. It's not just about the diet, but they avoid all animal products. So it doesn't have to be healthy. It doesn't have to be whole food. It doesn't have to be unprocessed. Whereas my stance is more of a whole food plant-based, which encourages people to stay away from the processed foods, which are not healthy as well. So something like French fries is vegan. Oreos is vegan, but it's not healthy. So I advocate for a whole food plant-based diet. And of course, nothing is 100% of the time, but if you're aiming for it, you know, at least most of the time, mm -hmm. that's going to be a good start. Yeah. I, when you were mentioning dairy, I have been trying to steer clear of dairy and it's the hardest one for me. I don't know if you hear that from patients, but I feel like it's way easier to um, not have gluten in my diet right now. Whereas mm -hmm. dairy, I find I have a really hard time with staying off of dairy. <laughs> I don't know. If you yeah. Hear dairy. That. Dairy is the hardest thing. A lot of people say to give up is hard. There's dairy in a lot of different things too. When you buy food at the store, so you have to look for things like whey, casein, um, lactose. You know, sometimes it's hidden in different words that people may not even realize that it's dairy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I forgot casein is sort of an indicator there. Mm -hmm. You just sort of alluded to it when you were talking about labels and... I hear a lot of diet buzzwords today with paleo and keto and Whole30. There's a lot of others. Do you recommend any of these? Or like you said, you just try to not label it and stick with these plant-based whole food type foods? Yeah, when I looked at those diets and compared them, they all seem to 
recognize the importance of vegetables. So I appreciated that. Um, the ketogenic diet, the evidence is not in support of that. There's not much long-term data on the ketogenic diet. And there's some short-term data to show that it has unfavorable effects on cardiovascular health, so cholesterol and things like that, because the ketogenic diet is high in animal protein, animal fats, animal cholesterol, and tends to be low in fiber and limits uh, fruits like across the board. The ketogenic diet is good for weight loss. So in acute phase, if you want to jumpstart weight loss, doing ketogenic will allow you to lose weight if that's your only goal. But I think one has to look at what else it's doing to, um, to the body overall. You know, um, The ketogenic diet was initially used primarily for um, refractory seizures. Um, so it does have its place, but as far as long-term, um, that's not really recommended by um, most people that are plant-based. Right. Paleo diet is more like going towards your ancestral uh, dietary patterns, right? So it tends to be, I think it's heavier on meat as well. Um, but I think the main thing, if you look at most diets, that the data has shown have been really good, such as the Mediterranean. I recommend that one. It's heavy in fruits and vegetables. If they eat meat, it's, you know, lower portions. So the Mediterranean diet, uh, a plant-based diet, are diets that I th- think the data has supported uh, favorably. And if you look at areas where people tend to live the longest um, and healthiest, uh, those areas are the blue zones, Mm-hmm. And they tend to eat a mostly plant-based diet. So those are the main diets that the studies have been really favorable for, Mediterranean, plant-based diet. And then for hypertension, the DASH diet. So you mentioned before adding some people need to add vitamin B12 to their diet when they remove meat. Do you recommend adding any other supplements to someone's diet? Or is that more case-by-case? Yeah, so it would be a case-by-case. But B12, most likely they will need to take. I would check a level. You can get a blood test to check a B12 level and a vitamin D level and iron too. So I get those checked. Um, I check those in my patients when needed. So yeah, definitely it's good to at least have a baseline for someone to know where they are as far as the numbers instead of assuming. I know a lot of people that are plant-based assume that their B12 level is fine and they think that they're getting adequate B12 from eating things like CMOS or nutritional yeast, which may have a little bit in there, but it may not be enough. And it's easy to get a blood test check so you can know. Um, And also keep in mind that B12 level is not just associated with um, diet. It also can be affected by your gut and absorption. So if you have certain GI or stomach intestinal issues, you may not be able to absorb the B12. And also there are medications that can affect whether B12 is absorbed, like metformin. A common diabetic medication interferes with B12 absorption. Do you have a favorite meal to cook for yourself or an on-the-go snack that you recommend? I like tofu. I do a lot of tofu. I do um, jerk tofu. Jerk is like a Jamaican 
sauce dish. So I buy the sauce. I don't make the jerk sauce from scratch, but I uh, marinate the tofu in it, cut it up in uh, cubes, and I saute it in a cast iron skillet um, to it's, you know, brown on the outside. And it's really, really flavorful. So I also do like a variety of different vegetables, but usually sweet potatoes, but I would do the tofu with rice or roasted potatoes um, or whatever vegetables I have in the house, green vegetables, broccoli. It's a mix of different things. I, I roast my vegetables. I like to roast cauliflower. It's really good. And I do it weird. I put like curry seasoning on it and garam masala seasoning. I roast it in the oven. Uh, so <laughs> it's like... Great. The dishes to me. That sounds good. Um, I, I've never made tofu before. I'll have to try it out one time. Yeah, some people say they don't like tofu, but I think that's because they just don't know how to make it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a staggering number of Americans that are diabetic or pre-diabetic. And is this something that's preventable? Is it largely food-related causes? Yeah, I'll be, type, two, type 2 diabetes is strongly connected with um, obesity which is tied to um, poor diet, physical inactivity. So reversing obesity essentially can reverse type 2 diabetes. And there are people that have had weight loss surgery that were diabetic before, and now after the surgery, their hemoglobin A1C and glucose, you know, gradually and eventually went back to normal. So maintaining a normal, health, normal body weight, a healthy body weight is very important to preventing type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is not preventable or reversible. That is something individuals um, inherit, genetic, or born with. The body doesn't make insulin. So they're insulin dependent for the course of their life. Whereas type 2 diabetes, in the initial phase of it, you don't require insulin. You can treat it with oral medications and pills. But as time goes on, the insulin resistance worsens, the glucose maybe tends to increase, and then eventually they become insulin dependent where they need insulin because the body just starts to make less insulin or the insulin that the body makes um, is not effective or doesn't work, just to put it quite simply. Um, But type 2 diabetes is the main cause of kidney failure, Um, people going on dialysis, um, main cause of, you know, people having to get amputations. It can cause blindness. It can cause a whole host of problems. Something that's so tied to diet and lifestyle. And when I see people with diabetes or complications, it really breaks my heart because it's like they don't have to live that way. They don't have to have the complications from it. But for some reason, some people just either don't know or just think that it's in their destiny or in their DNA because they say everyone in their family has diabetes. Well, yeah, I was looking into it a little more just after I read your post and, you know, just to, to have to take so many medications your whole life and to have this option where it could be reversed through diet, I think is um, such an important message. And so just, you know, what you've been saying all day today, removing processed foods eating more of the plant-based whole foods um, that could sort of help eliminate or reverse some of that, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. In eliminating um, the processed foods, eating less meat and dairy, eating more green leafy vegetables, vegetables, fruits, 
things like that. Mm-hmm. And there are many ways that people can lose weight, but if they're able to lose weight, that's going to improve their diabetes. Mm-hmm. For sure. And this sort of goes into our next topic, which is how many health disparities or food-related disparities there are in our country. And um, this is a topic that you cover a lot, and you had a health summit that covered a lot of it recently that I attended, and it was really interesting. Can you describe this concept a little bit and just, you know, how we can overcome some of these issues? Yeah, so I recently had a summit, Reclaim Your Health Summit, and as you mentioned, it was a minority health summit focused on Black health, and we discussed healthcare disparities and food deserts and how there are certain neighborhoods, minority neighborhoods that don't have healthy restaurants or healthy grocery stores, or they may not even have as many grocery stores. Um, And so having to travel farther to get healthy food is a barrier for some people. And then also people in some of these neighborhoods are more likely to be working more than one job. And so they may not have as much time to cook healthy food. So they'll maybe resorting to using fast food more often. Access to public transportation is an issue too with certain neighborhoods. Um, And then lack of education as well to some degree. You know, people tend to think that certain foods are cultural. So for example, soul food or Southern food. You know, I think in the African-American community, they tend to think that soul food is um, their culture, but it's really not their culture. That's food that was handed down to us from slave masters. The food, if you want to really want to go back into ancestry and history and whatnot, the food that Black people's ancestors ate in Africa is very different than the food that we're eating, that people are eating in the U.S. It was more starches, um, potatoes, yucca, plantains. It was more vegetables. It did include meat, but it did not include the amount of processed foods and added sweeteners that we're eating now and fried foods and all of that. So helping people to get out of that mindset is really important. And it's why I did the summit and why I know that my voice is important in this health and wellness space because people of color need to see someone that looks like them that's doing the healthy lifestyle. Otherwise, they think it's a white thing or a rich people thing, something that's not for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear all of these stats about, you know, the number of people with diabetes going up and, you know, how can somebody like make a change or help make a difference? I think awareness is the first step. That's key. It all depends. You know, I think knowledge is power. So getting on the internet and reading about it and seeing, you know, what's your area like, what's your neighborhood like, and deciding what, if anything, you know, can be done about it. Sometimes it's just education. You know, social media is a powerful platform for reaching people with information. And, you know, community gardens is a nice thing that people can do or financially support. Yeah, I hadn't thought about Supporting that. small businesses. That's a good one. Do you have any resources that you recommend for the audience? So I recommend going to my website, theplantbasedmd.com. I have a free plant-based wellness guide on there that you will get when you subscribe to my mail list. 
Um, so you definitely want to do that. Um, I've seen clients in North Carolina, which is where I'm located and where I'm licensed for lifestyle medicine consultations and then for help with weight loss, uh, diabetes, hypertension, heart disease. So if you're interested in that, reach out to me on my website. There's a contact form on there and my contact information. And some other sources that I like for plant-based nutrition are nutritionfacts.org. And there's also PCRM, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. They have a lot of resources on their website about plant-based nutrition. And then Harvard. Harvard has a lot of articles about every medical condition, but they also tend to be very health focused as well. So I like the articles that they put out and they're easy to read, easy to understand for the average person that's not a healthcare professional. So if anyone wants to look up about any kind of medical condition, I recommend Harvard's website. Great. I'll link those all in the show notes. Thanks. And lastly, where can listeners find you? So they can find me on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Mostly I'm on Instagram. Um, my handle is the plant based MD. And I recently started a YouTube. I have a few videos on there. And then my website, which is the plant based I hope you liked this episode. If you liked it and if you liked the show, please take a second to review us on Apple or Spotify, wherever you're listening, and also consider subscribing. You can also take a screenshot of the episode and post it to your Instagram story to share with friends and family. It really goes a long way in spreading the message about the coffee chat. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.